We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And yesterday, at the end of the show, I had teased that we were going to talk about uh, the defense, some of the things that we saw defensively in Summer League. And we're still going to get to that, but I was realizing last night that we haven't talked about just general NBA free agency around the league. And so that's what we're going to do today. There was less available money this offseason, Mike, in terms of free agency and fewer big free agents that have moved. And so a lot of the bigger moves have been via the trade market. So either free agency or via trade, what's stood out to you most? What's the, what are the big deals that stood out to you, Mike? Pete, I think that desperation was showed by teams that included an insane number of first round picks relative to what the previous mark had been for that. And and I mean that in the sense of so Anthony Davis and Paul George, right, were the last two that sort of the Clippers and the Lakers threw in three plus firsts and a couple of swaps and all of that. But, you know, Anthony Davis at that time was you can make the argument for all NBA first team caliber, certainly all NBA second team caliber and same for Paul George. I would have put 80 slightly ahead of that, especially because of age, but at least somebody in George who's you know a two way wing that I think everybody in the league wanted and certainly that player archetype. And now you have teams because of so how few players were a available because of the extensions that are being signed and the way that the players are sort of pursuing these these deals. Now you have DeJounte Murray and Rudy Gobert going for halls like that. And in fact, greater halls than that in the sense of Gobert. And I don't see either of those two players. Well, good. And certainly all star caliber. Um, I think. Gobert more than Murray. Murray w- was a bit of a technicality last year, I thought, in an all-star, kind of rewarding stats on a, on a team that um, that wasn't that good, and there were some injuries that came up. But So did either of those moves impact the title race? You know, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think Minnesota's got is going to be really interesting, but it's, it's very much a we'll see, trying this too big, trying to zag. But – uh, Darius, I guess before even breaking down those moves individually, I just think it tells us something about the state of the league that that's those were the major two things and how it's that's going to be eight to 10 years of impact of draft uh, of yeah. draft equity moving forward 
to go all in on guys that aren't slam dunks uh, when they go all in as when AD came with LeBron and some bets around them, it was like immediately into the title picture. A lot of people picked the Lakers to win, uh, including me. And, and they did Uh, now it took, it, it took some doing, but yeah. So that was, that was my initial takeaway from everything. And I'm sure we'll get into the individuals, specific stuff. Mike, another move that you didn't mention that was also like that was the Drew Holiday trade, right? Which was another like three plus picks and swaps sort sort of move. And that also vaulted the Bucks into the conversation for championship contender. And that's another sort of deal that is a difference, right? Between now, you could probably place Holiday at the level of Gobert and maybe DeJounte Murray. I like Holiday better than both of those guys in terms of like a playoff contributor and someone who is going to impact both ends of the court and and everything else. But Holiday and Murray had a very similar profile in terms of like one time all star for like a middling team and how good is he as like his own guy. But when the Bucks traded for him, and he became their third guy. That's yeah, like okay, exactly. that's putting them over we the already top. Already had Giannis and Middleton, not you know Trey and you know whoever you're saying Atlanta's number two is. Right, you're not trading for a guy like Murray and being like, all right, that's the missing piece for for a title. Yeah, and, and, and so what the Hawks and what the Timberwolves did is they were looking to take a step up from where they were. Now, a step up from where they were is not championship contender they weren't one step away from being a contender the hawks could maybe make that argument closer for themselves right because two seasons ago they were in the eastern conference finals but that was a tricky run itself right where philly sort of fell apart on them and lots of injuries around the league that year to start players is kind of a very odd uh, postseason run that season so i i agree with you mike just in terms of the Shocking number of picks that were put into that trade or to both of those trades, really, for the status of the teams and where those teams are purportedly trying to go. That was an interesting development to me. And I'll be interested to see how that impacts potential future moves where you have like things that are sort of lingering out there, like with reports around players like Donovan Mitchell or even Kevin Durant, right? Where like the asks now around players of that caliber who are multiple time all-stars or in the case of Durant, like an all-world talent or someone who's perceived to be in the top five in the entire league. And so those two deals to me were also the deals that stood out when you talk about Murray and Gobert. Pete, before I pivot to you, I want to stick with Gobert for a second because just kicking it back to both of you, do you see this as like a a real zag, right? With like, oh, everyone's playing small and the league has been trending in this other direction. And now like the Wolves are like, nope, two bigs, right? Like $80 million invested into like my power forward and my center. Like, What do you all think about that specific idea right there? So I think that's actually something where the pendulum has started to swing even this past season toward going a little bit bigger again. And so the zag is they're zagging along with at least a couple of other teams, right? Like you've got New Orleans starting Valanchunas and Zion will be, you know, part of that as well. They're. Like there are teams that are choosing to go really big Boston, you know, with Williams and Horford as their two bigs on the front line. When you go team by team, it's less rare than it was a couple of years ago. 
like that four position, Mike had really turned into kind of like a glorified small forward, at least from the the old days, right? A guy that can is is big enough. I think of Jake Crowder for some reason is kind of the prototype of this guy that he would have totally been a three and was a three for most of his career, but he's stout enough to kind of bang and box out a guy, but can stretch the floor. I I see in Minnesota the like I get the concept. I think that there are certainly some tremendous weaknesses to especially defending the perimeter. But with Towns being a, a really good shooter as a big man, you are still getting the benefit of at least four out, right? You got four guys on the floor that can hit a three that will knock down open threes, but you still have a great deal of size. And so I see more teams trying to traverse trying to like thread that needle guys of like, we're still going to be able to space the floor, but we're still going to be big as well. Now I have a lot of questions about perimeter defense, but I'm, I'm, I see that happening more this past season. And so it's just a curious trend that I've noticed, Mike. Yeah. To stick on that specific move and even looking at the trend, I always worry a little bit less about perimeter defense, I think, uh, than, than you do, or at least in the, in the context of these discussions, it seems like it. But what I worry about is that, it's not so much the start and it's not even so much the regular season where I think that Gobert has been proven the way mm-hmm. that he plays is really proven to help teams win just period um, on, on both ends of the court, the functions that he serves. But there are, I'm trying to think of a team that finished a game big, you know, so you can start big, mm-hmm. but no, almost nobody, once the game gets to a certain place and you know what guys are doing and you're sort of, you're taking away the easy screen roll baskets and you're taking away the transition stuff. And, and it really comes down to more of a, of a half court execution. That's when I just don't know. I don't know how the Timberwolves approach that. And it's why it's a, a bit of a wait and see, even though I like the, I like some of their supporting talent still, even mm-hmm. if it would have been nice for them to hold on to a Beverly or a Vanderbilt, if they were giving up all those picks. Of course, they had to match salary. But if you're closing games, just take like take the Lakers and take AD going down to the five and mm-hmm. LeBron being at the four. And is Gobert going to punish AD inside at the rim on on uh, offense? No. Is no. Towns now Towns could even now even like AD can certainly hang with Towns, but Towns is a guy that could, but he can't be down there just by the nature that Gobert then. Is going to have mm-hmm. to be down there. How do you do that? You have like one in the dunker spot and one posting up because Gobert nope. isn't going to space. So, so you can't really then Towns almost gets pushed out of the lane completely, and and that's where I don't know then how you how you handle LeBron basically right like on the other end because if you're having AD if you're having AD's guy just drop in the paint like fine and then you're almost like playing a zone and that's the part where it starts to break your basketball brain. As to because no teams have really been able to get away with doing that. And I'm very curious to see it happen. But there has to be some fair skepticism, I think, in that. Oh, absolutely. And that's why that's more of what I mean about perimeter defense, Mike. Like, you know, I love me a good ball pressure guard and a guy who can get up into the ball handler's jersey. That's not really what this is about, though, is that when we've seen Gobert struggle in the playoffs, it's because teams. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like that ability to rotate and close out to a shooter, even in transition. I my previous comment. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about kind of the same thing there, right, Is, is that that ability to rotate and get out to the three-point line, your example of LeBron and AD, albeit a severe one, of course, two superstars there, but there's always going to be someone the uh, that's at that four spot or at that five spot that you're requiring a Gobert and a Towns to to rotate and fly around and you know, get like, out to those like guys. Like Stanley Johnson, Darius. <laughs> For real, yes, yes, Stanley yes. gave Rudy fits. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, and Terrence Mann, it's all the, the same type of guy. Let, let's take a break. Come back and give us your thoughts, Steve. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, the Wolves are the idea about who would close and... Can you both start and close big? That's that's the pivot point question that I still have about the league, because when I talk about the league trending bigger or trending smaller, it's more who are your best five and what teams determine this is my best five going forward. And and so even a team like Boston in the finals. Now, this is another extreme example, right? Because they're playing against the Warriors who found ways to play smaller, um, even when Looney was looking like he was one of their five best guys in that series. But they were still only closing with one big most of the time, which then forced Boston into a very similar situation where they were just like, we can't really close with Williams and Horford. Right. Isn't that interesting, though, that that is almost always when a team forces another team to make a substitution, even to this point, like they're forcing them smaller as as good as Robert Williams was. He was getting like, I don't want to say played off the floor, but that was the decision that his coach went to on a lot of times was. Yeah. Even there, though, I almost felt like they actually could have and or should have stuck with Williams more because they were so I, I think there's a good argument for that yeah they felt like they couldn't because of the way that the league has gone and oh it's the Warriors but there are a couple of springy bigs like AD like Giannis and, and Williams I thought fit into that you know so that that's one exception but Gobert isn't that like Gobert isn't the mover that Williams is defensively where he can get out to the perimeter like that the thing is though is like who is the other spacer that's the question it's like if you're playing both Williams and Horford, then one of your bigs is almost always then going to be on the perimeter offensively. And that's where the trickiness. Imp- so we just talked about this 
in our pod yesterday about the four out offense, right? And Pete talked about uh, about double drive lanes and all of this stuff, which is pretty, it's not high level basketball. Like these are fundamental principles of playing this style of game. And sometimes you don't want your big if it, like you don't want another big to be out there because teams are going to cheat off of him, even if that guy is Al Horford, right, who was killing the Warriors with some of these spot up threes. And that's the tricky question I have about the Wolves. It's like Towns is one of the best big men shooters ever. He's in that conversation like, oh, there's Dirk. And then it's just like you don't get too far, if any names at all, before you get to Towns. But if Towns is going to have to be outside all of the time, right? Even if you're forcing closeouts, right? Where now he's like, okay, Towns can show and go. He's got that tricky pump fake. But if Gobert's guy is just going to be waiting for him, then that's what makes it tricky to be. And, and figuring all of that out is going to be an interesting thing. I, I just wanted to jump in one more thing about two big lineups. And uh, and we can look at this through the Golden State Boston prism if we'd like. But one of the things that is, teams will try to do to attack a big is to actually bring him out and bring like engage him on the ball, which means we saw this a lot with the Lakers last year when LeBron was out. Was if we had AD in the picture and say we were switching everything or we were hedging high with him or whatever, you bring AD out and then there's nobody on the back line that is that much of a rim protector, right? Like you bring so you have Robert Williams dancing with Steph Curry or Jordan Poole on the perimeter and Williams can hang with them. But now Steph Curry is a different like Robert Williams can't guard Steph Curry. I, like he's a wonderful player, but let's not exaggerate it too much, but he's much better on the perimeter than most guys his size are. But the problem is on that back line behind, or if it, and if it's too bigs, it's actually, no, I want to pick on Al Horford in space. Right. And so it's like having, and that's part of having LeBron and AD Mike uh, at that four and five spot, why there's so much of a cheat code is that they have that perimeter mobility. And that if you get past one of them on the perimeter, the other one's waiting for you on the back line. And even LeBron, he's not the above the rim rim protector that he, that he used to be, but he's going to beat you to the spot. He's going to strip you down low. If a big man's rolling on that short roll, he's going to get chest to chest and you're not going to rock him on off of his spot. So those are like, it's very hard to find that particular combo. And that was ultimately and without mentioning the player, Pete, you would just hit on that, right? Like when Carmelo Anthony was his partner defensively mm-hmm. when he was playing the five, like that was it. It worked for a minute and then teams just realized, oh, wait, because not only is Melo not going to do that, although he would fly over for the occasional strip, but eventually he would just get caught from more fouls with that, that, that rip down that he does. That, that old and, man play. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. And LeBron, that's so that that type of LeBron rotation, though. You just can't expect that you're going to get that in the regular season all year, like in the first quarter. It's just it's way mm-hmm. too much effort and energy for a player like that. That's typically the the spot of like a I'm thinking since we were talking about the Wolves, like a Jared Vanderbilt type. Right. That's, yep. that's going to be that's his whole job is to do that. So the last thing, the last group uh, kind of tandem that I was thinking of in this context where it didn't quite work and it seemed like on paper, maybe part of it could would have been even like a miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis before Sabonis got moved. And you think, Mm -hmm. okay, well you get the spacing five on offense in Turner. And then in defense, he's pretty good on the perimeter, moving his feet and such, and he still protects the rim. But then you have Sabonis who's this traditional big and it just wasn't teams were able to 
basically take advantage of Sabonis in that context. So you even if you have the really mobile five that can scale down, that can shoot threes, the four still has to be versatile like that because then other teams can get them in the in the kind of switch. So it's a really tricky thing with the bigs. And unless it's if it's we already mentioned LeBron and AD, but if it's like somebody of Giannis's caliber, right, with either one of those guys, but that list is so short. And and it's why like it's why Chet Holmgren, for by by the way, is super mm. enticing to me because you mm-hmm. can put him in any kind of one of those pairs. Uh, and it, sure, he's got to add a little bulk, like he will, right? He's uh, right. he's nineteen, so. But that's a that's a real challenge that I don't think anybody aside from the Lakers uh, these last couple of years and the Warriors to an extent, although they've never had that kind of other classic big next to Draymond that's going to close the game. I guess actually Durant probably qualifies, right? So Durant and Durant and Draymond, that, that, that is the one, right? That gives you that type, yep. type of versatility and the rim protection from both guys. Especially if you're shooting like that, yeah. So I'm going to throw a handful of team names out there. They're all sort of in that quasi-contender to real contender status, right? And I'm going to throw out a few team names and tell me – which one of them intrigues you the most based off of some of the moves, right? So we're looking at the Ooh, Dallas okay. Mavericks. Like so we're looking at the Dallas Mavericks who lost Jalen Brunson to the Knicks and haven't really made another move beyond that. Christian Wood. Oh, and they did pick up Christian Wood. Thanks, Mike. And then let's look at the two teams who were just in the finals. So the Warriors lost some free agents, right? They lost uh, Gary Payton II. They lost Otto Porter Jr. They lost Bielitsa. Um, They did bring back Kevon Looney. The Celtics, they traded a bunch of nothing and got Malcolm Brogdon. And then Danilo Gallinari got waived and they signed him. Oh, and then the Suns in what they did with bringing back DeAndre Ayton. And so out of all of those moves, let's head in the break. But out of all of those moves, I want you both to sort of come back to me with like a team or multiple teams that stood out to you the most in terms of like how this impacts their chances moving forward in your eyes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a good list. I might, since you're running this Darius, I might ask for the inclusion of Philly. Yes. Although, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I am not going to use them as my example, but they bring Melton in, um, and then they bring in a couple of old favorites of Daryl Morey and PJ Tucker and Daniel House. The band is and, back together. The band is back together. Mike. It's all of a sudden. It's a different team from last year. It's more athletic. It's more threatening. So that they're they're interesting um, to me. Now a lot of this, of course, depends on Harden and and the health of Embiid. But so they're interesting. But out of that group, uh, I just I think the team that brought the most in without giving much up is, and I'm not happy about this, but is Boston. Yeah, you know Malcolm Brogdon is a player; he's a real player. Uh, I know there were some discussions about other potential destinations for Brogdon that we won't get into too much here. <laughs> That's and, one way of saying it. I, I may and, have texted about Brogdon several times in the text thread during the year. Yep. He's a classic. 
I know Pete, he's a classic responsible adult type player who mm-hmm. is not going to take a lot off the floor and you can trust him on both ends of the floor in multiple Virginia situations. defender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I, and I really value that type of player. And guess what? He doesn't even need to start there. I mean, their bench is really, really uh, impressive. So that to me is the team out of the contenders gold, like golden state. I don't think is going to feel those moves too much, although it's certainly going to hurt to lose Gary Payton a second. But I, I think another year of, of healthy clay, right takes up some of that and they've still they're still so deep on the wing so i i feel like golden state's still right there and phoenix is a whole nother discussion it, that to me is a little bit more about chris paul um although they of course they had to keep Aiden right for what that value was but yeah my team is boston so let me uh, kick it over to pete yeah no i just to comment on boston real quick brogdon's a guy that i like quite a bit and that i was i was hoping we would target um in Boston's circumstance, like he adds to an like they've got a lot of guys kind of similar to him. He's strong relative to his position, good defender, can handle the ball a bit, but not a true one. Uh, Caitlin Cooper, who does great work uh, on the Indiana Pacers, she would always refer to him as a 1.5 or 1.75 instead of a one or a two. Right. He's one of those kind of tweener types. Um, uh, but I do think that he gives them a level of like big guard that kind of takes Derek White's spot or Peyton Pritchard's minutes. Um, and then Gallinari coming in as kind of a counter to what Grant Williams brings to the table. The one thing I think, and this is a good problem for a team to have, but can be a problem is that they've got a lot of guys who are going to want to play, right. And that are going to want to have touches. And Marcus Smart thinks very highly of his point guard abilities. Does Brogdon take a decent amount of his touches in ways that a guy like Pritchard or even White does not right there. I could just see there are a lot of guys that are relatively young in their twenties that will have to sacrifice a bit in order to do that. And then the Gallinari signing as a Laker fan, I was a little bit relieved by to me. And every minute that Gallinari plays is a minute that a Williams or a Horford or, or a Robert Williams doesn't, doesn't play. Um, and so I, I, that said, he gives him an offensive target. He's a better offensive player as a shooter than, although uh, to me, Horford's right up there with him. But uh, he provides something that those other guys don't. Um, but for me, my team is actually Philly. I'm glad you brought them them up, Mike, is that I it all comes down to that top line talent. And I will I'm skeptical of Harden and Embiid until they actually do it. But I do think that the supporting cast is much better and fits much better than it did last year. I'm big. I like PJ Tucker. I really like DeAnthony Melton. I just, I, I like the moves they made this summer. Pete, uh, Derek's going to follow up on Pete for a second. Pete, are you looking in Philly's direction in part out of some level of hope slash desperation uh, as another team to potentially take down Boston? I know. I know. Boston we got- loses <laughs> in the second round to Milwaukee if they have Chris Middleton. <sighs> okay. But no, yes. no, having your actual players. <laughs> <laughs> Milwaukee is coming back uh, healthy next year, though, and that is sure. one. And they are going to be a problem. And I think we we should be careful not to forget about Giannis and what it's like for him to go into an offseason not winning. We know what that's done with LeBron in the past, mm-hmm. and, and I think we could see an extra little gear there uh, from from the Bucks. But I I was I was a little bit joking, but I also you know I know you're kind of you're studying hard on the teams that have the chance to beat Boston for sure. I, yeah, I, I've. I'm not putting Philly in that category with James Harden and Joel Embiid. I think they have a better chance, but I just don't trust them on a fundamental level. That said, if they're going to do it, if they're going to go far, I think this is their best team outside of the Jimmy Butler teams. Yes, Darius, it's just a tough, it's a tough thing when you get down to the whole 
you know, Tatum and Brown, like Embiid, Harden position wise, right? The two two way wings versus the the big that you can kind of you can hit, you can trap right and you can get the ball out of his hands and then you're sort of relying more on Harden and does Melton really take on those type of playmaking responsibilities how much of a level you know can they can they continue to go up um from Maxi but yeah it's like what are your thoughts there what's your team out of the group that you mentioned so you all highlighted the teams that added stuff and I think that those are those are obviously the bigger stories I'm very interested in what happens with the Mavericks, actually, yeah. because for all the talk about Tatum and Embiid and, you know, Giannis, Giannis is at a different level. But Luca's made first team all NBA, I think, for the last two or three seasons. He is he is one of those guys. And Brunson was what their second best player this playoff run. Um and he found a way to make it work with Luca and really lifted his game after not having a good playoffs the season before, lifted his game in a way where you're just like, oh, I can see why another team would be like, hey, I'll spend $25 million on you to come in and run my team if you're capable of being a guy who not every night, but oh, you got a 40 point tennis playoff in you. There, there's not a lot of dudes around yeah. the league who especially can, at his size. Yeah, yeah, at his size, who can do it against a, a a good team, right? This isn't February in Sacramento. This is May, and it's a playoff game, and each one of those is amplified, you know, 10, 15, 20, 20 fold. Right. And so Dallas is a team that stood out to me based off of their inability to keep a guy who was super important to them. So first of all, I'm glad you started with Luca and said that he's been on the all NBA first team three straight years, which he has, which I don't think people quite realize like Luca's 23. That's hard, Mike. So like, he's yeah. three straight. Very rare. That's, it's like that's King stuff. That's top 10 all time stuff. Like no, that, that's nobody like, does that. Go back to Magic Johnson and Kobe Bryant and yeah. guys like that. Those are the guys who lived on first team basically yeah. their entire careers. Her, Kareem, like Jordan. That's about that, that's about it. LeBron. That's the trajectory that Luca is on. Like when yeah. you live on the first team, no doubt. That's that's a different thing than being like, oh, like you made all NBA for eight of your fifteen years. It's just like, okay, well, okay, well, four of those were third team. Yeah. And one of those was first team and the other one was second team. It's just like, you were an excellent player. Don't get me wrong. But it's another thing to be like, oh, well, you're Kobe Bryant and you made all NBA 15 times and 12 of those were first team. And you're just yeah. like, oh, OK, you yeah. were the best player at your position yeah. over the course of a decade. Anyway, sorry. Please no, go and, on, Mike. And before he did that, of course, he was the EuroLeague MVP at age like 18, 19. So he's so he's he's the guy now. He's probably the MVP favorite. Uh, in in some senses for next year, I think people will put Giannis in there. I don't think anyone is looking to Jokic to go three in a row just because they just like it was for Giannis. The bar is so incredibly high to clear that people are just looking for somebody that's close to give the tiebreaker to. But so with all of that, that established, I then actually am a little bit less moved by Brunson leaving. Um, I think there is just because a so Luca Luca can. Not that you want him to take on more usage, but he can without stressing himself too much. B, they still they're getting Tim Hardaway Jr. back. 
um, eventually. I, they still have Dinwiddie, who to me can step into at least some of that void. And they upgrade, at least in terms of talent. Now, I Christian Wood's got to prove that he's a winning player. He's able to put up numbers in Houston, but it, you know things didn't go that well. It's, but it's it's intriguing to me in terms of the talent upgrade for Luca to have somebody to work with there. Now, I don't think it's enough for them to win, uh, to to beat like all of the good playoff teams and win the actual title. And that may then come back to your point, Darius, about where it's like it's really intriguing, but they didn't get somebody that Luca can look at going into the season and thinking, all right, like, yeah, this is going to be the team. So, but I just, I still think Dallas is because of Luca and whatever role players you put around him. I still like Finney Smith a lot. I still like Reggie Bullock. Like I, they've got enough guys there to be really good, but that's, that's the, the question is on the margins for me. Yeah. They're going, they're going to be good, but this is going to be year five of not getting Luca a legit number two guy. Like who's the second best player of the Luka Doncic era in Dallas? Is it Brunson? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously they tried with Porzingis and that didn't go uh, as they mm-hmm. had planned. And then, Br- I mean, Brunson wasn't even finishing playoff games last year. They were, they were going for Trey Burke over him. Mm-hmm. He certainly emerged this year and I like Brunson, but he's not. Yeah. He, uh, I guess this speaks, it speaks to, to your point. point also. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Luca is a 23 year old three time first team, all NBA MVP favorite who's on a rookie deal. deal, And you haven't gotten him a guy. You haven't gotten him a second guy that to me, that's like what it's all like. Of course you're going to be good. If you've got Luka Doncic and a competent defense, like them being good, their floor is super high. So long as Luka's healthy, but the fact we're going into year five and the best player he's played with is Brunson or Porzingis. I think it just speaks to a certain level of, you got to get a dude like that, a second guy, especially on his rookie deal. Well, my thing is, is you can't lose a player the quality of Brunson for nothing and effectively not replace him. Yeah, when, right. Especially when, Mike, I get your point. Luca can take on more. But the flip side is like you you seconded your own point with the counter, which is you don't necessarily want him to. And the best format for that team in the long run isn't for Luca to be a 38 usage guy in the playoffs because that's not going to work like there's very few there's very few players who could do it that way one of them's LeBron and I don't think he ever won a title when he had to be that level of guy Mm -hmm. right like you always need at least a number two whether it's Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Wade or Kyrie or Anthony Davis, right? There's always that secondary usage guy who can live in the 30s in terms of usage, if need be. Or you run the triangle offense, which is obsolete now, basically, right? So I'm that's why Dallas sort of popped up to me because it's like the inverse of what happened with the Suns, right? Which is one of the reasons why I brought the Suns up because they kept. They kept their other guy right now. He Aiton's not their second best player, right? Paul and and book. They're their top guys. But you can't just lose a guy and be like, oh, OK, well, we'll just replace this guy with a with a Bismack Biombo, or in Dallas's case, we'll just replace this guy with players who are not as good as as Brunson Dinwiddie's a fine player but he's not as good as Brunson well and he was there last year right like you're not adding him to instead of of Jalen Brunson and and like so even in terms of the Knicks right where some people are thinking I don't know if you want to pay Brunson that much but almost nobody is bringing in a player 
of any quality without giving something up. And That's so right. that by like the Lakers got LeBron without giving somebody up. That's the biggest reason why they won the title. No, yes. then they had they had all the other stuff and they traded for AD. But you get somebody of of some caliber to come and yeah, you got to pay them. But like, look at where contracts are going generally in the league. So that's one thing. And guys, there are the parallels between LeBron and Luca early career numbers. We're talking about first teams, not getting a second guy. Right? There's a lot. There's a lot of comps. Mm-hmm. Yes, there, 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 there certainly are. And I, you know, I'm certainly hoping that that, uh, that continues every, every off season. Dallas is one of those teams where I'm like, did they, okay, no, so, you know, because if you get Luca a second dude, I don't know. I like good luck in the playoffs. So rapid fire here. I just want yeah. a couple more thoughts on a couple of more teams because these are the teams that I like to call the, Hey, remember us? Everyone was hurt last year. And, and so we're going to leave the Lakers out of this. Mm-hmm. But hey, remember us, right? And so Denver and the Clippers. Denver made some interesting moves. They traded away Monty Morris and they traded away Will Barton. And they got our good old friend, Contavious Caldwell Pope. I think, Mike, you might have had some thoughts about KCP and some comments that KCP might, <laughs> might, might, might have made. So this might be a good place and time for you to bring those up. And then there's the uh, Los Angeles Clippers who they did a lot of their work last season in terms of building up the team um, around an injured Paul George and an injured Kawhi Leonard, but they brought back a lot of guys and they spent the money, right? And they got John Wall, they re-signed Zubots to an extension, and they kept all of these other dudes. And so both those teams, the Clippers and the Nuggets, are going to get their injured guys back, right? So Jamal Murray's projected to come back. Michael Porter Jr. is projected to come back. Paul George and Kawhi will presumably be be healthy. And so what say you about both of those teams? Because the West is now looking incredibly stacked and it's like, oh my goodness. And this is important from the Lakers perspective, obviously. Yeah, for all of the, the East is the East is coming up and the East is, you know, by getting the Clippers and the Nuggets back in the mix and the Lakers being probably one move away, even just getting Portland at least interesting again, you know, I wouldn't quite include them there, but you're you're looking at 10 teams, right? Because New Orleans is more loaded than people realize they were the eight seed last year. Minnesota just traded for Gobert. And for all the discussion we had earlier, I think we all agree that they're still better this year mm-hmm. and, and moving up. Certainly. And Edwards is a year older. Edwards is a monster, right? Like there's mm-hmm. uh, Denver and... This is just talking about Dallas now. I think you can move Denver and the Clippers either right there, if not ahead. I think a lot of people, and me included, would put the Clippers over Dallas in terms of talent. Denver, Denver, I think, has a a really good chance if they can get a healthy Porter Jr., depending on how Murray looks. But um, to to kind of think about the whole question as a in the context of what that's going to do to the West. Okay, well, Phoenix. That's a Chris Paul question. We still have to answer, but I don't think they're winning eight. Or they're they're going to be eight games up on whoever's number two, even if. And in fact, I don't. I'm not going to pick them to finish first either um, next year. Mm. But so that that is changing. Memphis has this Jaron Jackson Jr. problem now. So when yes. is he going to come back? He was so key for their defense last year, yeah. and teams are not going to be coming after them a little bit. So it's I see it as pretty open, uh, and these teams at the top as being pretty loaded. But the Clippers thing is, Darius, is tough to even. That requires almost its own pod, just a team that's willing to pay that many guys that much money 
where it's starting, where the financial, it's starting, they're starting to me to look a little bit like Manchester city uh, in the English premier league where, which by the way, are just owned and operated by an oil country um, and therefore are able to pay a ridiculous amount more in salary. Well, that's basically what Steve Ballmer um, is, yep. is doing now where he's got so much more money than everybody else that it's just kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll give that guy 12 million. And they're super loaded in terms of wing depth, which as you know, I uh, am a fan of, and you guys are too. So Pete, Please jump in here. Uh, there's a lot, but I just wanted to underscore Darius's point about the Wild West and about how many of these teams uh, are pretty dangerous. I think the Clippers are very good and, and they're a little bit underestimated at this point because I think that they have the framework in place by virtue of having so many wings to kind of load manage Kawhi to get because that's what it's all about for them is can you get to the playoffs with Kawhi and PG and they have enough of the other guys by virtue of paying so many guys that even if they have a couple of ancillary guys that are that are hurt or not able to play for whatever reason, then they're still going to have seven or eight in a playoff rotation, but it's all about quiet. It's all about the, the top end guys. And even, uh, you know, looking out, out East to Philly, to Boston, that's really like these marginal moves and the depth, they help you get through the season. They help you get to those playoffs, but it's really about the top end guys. And can they perform in those, those circumstances? Um, and so I, I think the Clippers are very well positioned, but there's always that question with Kawhi's health. I'm less bullish on Denver, and I know they're getting guys back. And I think that the KCP move is a good one. They got more athletic. They don't need their guards to handle the ball as much because of Jokic. But Mike, you had like a running point going about Jokic and like the physical just toll of the last couple of seasons. And he was able to make it through last season. But I don't think that point goes away. And I just like he's carried so much. He'll be able to share more of it now. But I just think that they're fragile in a way that's actually kind of similar to us, where if like one guy or two guys go out there, there's such a drop off, I think, between their top end guys and the guys behind them in ways that the Clippers don't quite have. It's like Norman Powell stepping into that spot or someone that's pretty good. You know, I just think that the drop offs are a little bigger there. Guys, this has been fun. Let's talk more general NBA uh, soon. This by went by very quickly. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Talk more Lakers. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Danger has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here by McLaughlin. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. Two point one seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic 
Trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.